Blog Talk Radio. Interviewing your favorite musicians, comedians, and other creative souls. This is the Carrie Edelman Show. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Carrie Edelman Show. I am so excited tonight as we have the vocalist Brandon Kellum coming on from the hardcore punk and metalcore band American Standards. So it's going to be a great interview tonight. We're going to take you on a really interesting journey to learn about this band and uh, these amazing musicians. Before I bring them on, I always like to do a brief introduction. Um, They're one of the many bands that I've had the honor and pleasure of interviewing on my show. Uh, Some of the bands I've had on my show include Tremonti, Trivium, Sick Puppies, Lacey Sturm of Flyleaf, Shaman's Harvest, and so many others. So please support these artists and musicians I have on my show. I personally created this show because I wanted to have a forum to bring people on to support them and help them promote them and uh, spread their name and get their music out there. I also do interview comedians as well as sometimes entrepreneurs, uh, filmmakers. So I have a whole bunch of people, but predominantly my show is musicians and artists. Um, If you're tuning in tonight, please create a Blog Talk Radio account by going to blogtalkradio.com. If you want to call in, the number is 805-243-1320. Also, I do throw out there that um, some people know that I do have a doctorate degree in clinical psychology, um, but my show is purely meant for entertainment purposes. Um, We are not going to be doing any type of formal therapy, even though my guests do like to joke around with me sometimes. But I always just throw that disclaimer out there because I do take my um, career, my profession very seriously. Okay, so let's do a nice introduction for American Standards, and then we're going to bring Brandon on. So these guys are originating from Phoenix, Arizona, and I truly believe these guys really take their original music to another level. They incorporate elements of hardcore, metal, and punk, and their music is very diverse and eclectic. So if you like those types of genre, definitely check out American Standards. Another thing that stands out to me about them when I did my research on them is these guys, you know, they really come across... As grounded musicians, um, I do not get the sense that these guys have any egos. They're all about their fans. And, uh, you know, when they started out six years ago, and they're still doing this, they, they started out with a do it, uh, the DIY approach, managing everything from CD distribution, booking their own tours. They have been signed to major labels, too. But um, these guys really take their music seriously and, and put their heart and soul in it. And I think that's something that is really genuine about them and uh, comes across. They've shared the stage with national acts such as Every Time I Die, Norma Jean, Comeback Kid, and Atreyu, to name a few. They have also released three prior EPs and a prior album, but tonight we're going to be focusing on their journey to release their new amazing album, and I've had a chance to check it out. It's titled Anti-Melody, and their hit single that they're currently promoting is Writer's Block Party. So check out this music. Their single is currently on Sirius XM Satellite Radio as well as other stations. And tonight, as I said, we're going to promote the album. It's going to be released on April 28th, and we'll also talk about upcoming shows and any tour that they have in the works. So let's bring Brandon on. Hey, Brandon, how are you? Hey, Carrie, doing pretty good. How about yourself? Good. Thank you so much for joining me and coming on tonight. Absolutely. You know, listening to your intro there, I was uh, I was getting hyped on the band myself. I'm like, let me hear this band already. <laughs> very cool. Well, I do try it to do It was a very impressive and... intro. Thank you. Thank you. I know comedians also, they're so funny. Sometimes when they come on my show, they're like, oh, no, I can't live up to this introduction. You know, they they joke around and stuff. So, But I'm glad that I could um, do that for you guys because you guys really are just, you know, you're an amazing band. And like I said, I think – the other thing that really comes across with you guys is just, again, just how genuine and grounded you are and, and how serious you take your music and your fans. And I think that's something, there's something to be said for that. Well, thank you. You know, I think uh, at the end of the day, we're, we're really the crowd in a sense, you know, we're playing to people that are just like us and uh, we're just trying to connect with everybody. So we don't put ourselves above anybody else. By any means. That's cool. That's cool. And I think that's something that, you know, needs to be, you know, spread across the industry because, as we know, entertainment, music, you know, whatever it is, filmmaking, you know, people get these sometimes, as you know, egos, and I I think it's just really important to, like you said, remember where you come from and remember how hard you work to get where you are. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't feel like we have uh, enough money or talent or good looks to really have the egos. So we kind of have oh, to, stop. we're forced to stay grounded, you know. <laughs> no, I think you, you guys are being a little too humble. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you bring everything to the table. I do. I think you guys are the complete package. I think you do have a great look. You have a great sound. And, uh, you know, yeah, you, you're very talented. So um, thank you, thank you. I'm, just, I'm fishing for compliments at this point, you know. I'm just, I'm just going to keep saying <laughs> well, hopefully, stuff about myself. There you go. Well, hopefully you can walk off tonight the air and just have that have that ego for tonight, right? We'll 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 pump your head up a little bit tonight, so to speak. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Okay, and I didn't mean that in a in a inappropriate way. Um, no pun intended. <laughs> so <laughs> so let's Family start from the beginning. Show, right? There we go. Absolutely. Um, yeah, let's start from the beginning. You're originally from Arizona, correct? Yep, born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. And, uh, yeah, just tell me a little bit about, I don't know if you heard Dead's interview, but, you know, I know that that's how kind of you heard about my show is through me bringing Dead on. But um, tell me a little bit about yourself growing up as a kid. Just, you know, some interesting stuff. Were you a kid that was interested in sports? Was there anything, you know, unique that you did as a kid that we would like to hear about? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I... I didn't really have the sports thing, and I feel like that's probably uh, similar with a lot of bands. You know, a lot of uh, guys just don't excel in sports, and they're like, well, I've got to do something. So, you, you know, you uh, pick up an instrument or you pick up a skateboard and decide to do that. So I kind of uh, I did that for a while. I think I always knew, like, whatever I did, I didn't necessarily have to be the best at that thing, but I always wanted to be doing my best, my personal best. Mm-hmm. So I kind of think I started off skateboarding and, and did that for a while, um, like a lot of the guys do. Um, I, I, something that was unique during that time, we started, you know, videotaping it before, it was, you know, a camera on every cell phone and just started filming ourselves doing our tricks and kind of and kind of showing our friends that. So that's kind of what gave me my first taste of, like, entertaining. In a sense, we're okay. kind of filming the, uh, what we're doing and uh, and just showing that to people. I think that kind of natu- uh, naturally, like, progressed into uh, us just doing really stupid stuff on, on camera, you know, like, kind of like the jackass-style pranks and stunts. <laughs> we kind of got into that type of thing. You know, granted, this is, you know, the late 90s and stuff. So, uh, what would you, we're, um, we're just these. really quick, Brandon, reflecting back, what's the yeah. what's one of the craziest things that you could equate to, you know, a jackass type of uh, scenario that you guys did? You know, the, the, the funny thing about this, I, I, I remember doing a lot of stupid stuff and thinking back, like, I, I should have broke some bones or been arrested or something. But I can't think right. of any one single thing that I would want to say on the radio. Uh, okay, okay, that's I okay. I really feel like looking back at it, if I were to ever see right. these tapes again, I would be probably pretty embarrassed about it. Okay, okay. Well, I respect that. I respect that. Okay, cool. So skateboarding as a kid. Was there anything else, you know, as a little kid that you can remember? Because def- you're definitely a showman. Um, you know, looking at Writer's Block Party and the presentation and, you know, again, what you guys put on in that video is, you know, you, you like to get the crowd going, so to speak. So, you know, were you a little kid that liked to do anything in front of your parents, whether it was sing karaoke or I don't know, anything like that, that maybe you also brought out this, you know, showmanship? Yeah, I think I was always doing something. There's just something uh, for me about like making, making a, something out of nothing and just kind of building something to entertain people. So I, I remember, you know, getting the kids in my neighborhood together and we would, uh, you know, do a little magic shows or, or, you know, make our own bands and just really make your own bands kind of make, make band names and say you had a band. Um, so right. I definitely remember doing that. Um, and just kind of, I was always the guy that like had an idea and brought people together to try to march towards that idea. Um, like one, one example of that is I remember in, like seventh, eighth grade, I started getting really into uh, into like professional wrestling, like WWF wrestling. And uh, this is this is like I don't think I've ever actually told anybody this. But I got I got so into it to the point where we would organize all these people from school, and uh, and we'd do that that stuff that you you look at now and you know it's absolutely ridiculous. But like the backyard wrestling where kids are throwing each other through tables and hitting each other's shoulders right. and stuff like that. So we used to get like ten, twenty people and do this. My my dad was actually a construction worker, so he'd bring us like extra wood and like frameworks from the the job sites, and we'd build these tables and we'd do this you know this backyard wrestling, and I did that up to about the age of probably fifteen or so. Oh wow! Um, okay. And, and then around oh, yeah exactly, and then around about sixteen, 
um, me and one of my good friends that's known my entire life growing up, really, uh, we lied about our ages, said we were 18, and we actually professionally trained for, for professional wrestling. So, so we went to this school that was in the Valley that was training professional wrestlers. We said we were 18 and, you know, we're that's 16 hysterical. at the time. Probably right. couldn't even grow a beard, you know, or facial right. hair or anything. So <laughs> I, I probably definitely didn't pass as an 18-year-old by any means. And we're sitting here doing this, you know, training to the point where we, we literally once a month would do these matches and we would wrestle this arena here um, in Arizona. And, you know, there'd be 50 people that would come out. And with these, like, you know, 16, 17-year-old wow. kids just throwing each other around this boxing ring, basically. And I, I think that's Did really you? when I started thinking, like, how awesome is it to, to be able to, like, get the crowd to react and to be able to, uh, like, make them suspend their belief and kind of live in the moment for a little bit. And I think mm-hmm. that's really what kind of drove me to uh, to the path of playing music. Interesting, see? And this is, this is why I like doing the type of interview I do, because I didn't – you know, reading about you guys and doing my research and seeing other interviews you did, I don't think I saw that anywhere talking about maybe, you know, you might have mentioned WWE, but I don't even think I saw that. But that's, but again, yeah, that, that really guy that's like too. six foot and like a buck 80, you don't, you don't expect him, you know, doing wrestling type stuff, right? I'm right, not, right. not necessarily the built guy. <laughs> right. Well, really cool. That's really interesting in terms of seeing, again, like I said, seeing you guys perform just in the video, not that I've seen a live show, but just the video itself. Um, so when did you, you know, when did you get involved in music? Tell us about that a little bit. How old were you? And also incorporate if you play any instruments or if just, you know, singing slash, you know, screaming was the direction you were taking. Yeah, yeah. yeah so around sophomore year, that's when I, I realized, you know, I, I'm definitely, I, I don't have the muscle tone or mass to uh to do this professional wrestling thing full-time as a viable <laughs> career. So uh, my dad, actually, my sophomore year, bought me a guitar. And I remember I opened it up for Christmas. I remember looking at the thing and thinking, what am I going to do with a guitar? I, I, I had no interest whatsoever in playing guitar. It sparked my interest in being in a band, but I think at the time I thought, like, the singer obviously gets all the girls, so why would I want to play guitar? Right. Um, so that's when I, I had this guitar. I I probably put it in the corner of the room and never looked at it again for several months. But then I started talking to people at school about, you know, we've got to start this band. We've got to start a band. And um, that's when we first started taking it serious where we weren't only thinking of names, but now we're like, all right, you know, what do you play? Nothing? Okay, well, you're going to play bass. <laughs> what do you play? <laughs> well, I've got a guitar too and kind of picked it up that way. Um, I actually, I distinctly remember at the time, Around that time, the uh, hybrid uh, theory album from Linkin Park came out, nice. and I remember one of my good friends at the time. He uh, he he wanted to play turntables for the band, but we we needed someone to play bass, and, and he only wanted to play turntables because you know he was into Linkin Park and all that stuff. So so I'm like, come on, just pick up a bass and you can learn it. And we can start the band. So we we actually started the band from that point, doing you know covers of things like Deftones and and System of a Down and stuff like that. And then cool. got to a point where we, we had been doing that for almost a year, and we were playing like venues like the Mason Jar and um, you know places out in Arizona that have been here for 40, 50 years, and, and playing wow. on a weekly basis, bringing everybody from school. Very cool. And were you at this time? You were just singing for these bands, the, the band that you were in. Yeah. So yeah. So I started off singing, and then I, I progressively learned that I wasn't the greatest singer in the world for the style I was going for. Um, okay. So I wasn't the, the style we were doing at the time wasn't necessarily uh, um, like the screaming stuff that we're doing now. So so that's when I actually picked back up the guitar and uh, started learning how to do that. I think I I, I started learning all the System of a Down uh, you know albums like right wow. when uh, Self Title came out and then Toxicity and I, I just started burning through those and I got to a point and regrettably I I looking back I know I got to this point where I'm like I've learned enough I could write my own stuff at this point you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's that's when I moved from uh, singing to uh, to playing guitar for bands. And I, I think like new metal in general, I think did that a lot uh, for a lot of people, especially at my age. Like it, it was a first style of music where people didn't have to look a certain way or 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 be insanely talented at their instrument. You could kind of just pick it up. I guess new metal and punk rock in general, you could kind of pick it up and. As long as you had something to say, you can go out there and say it, and you didn't have to shred on guitar or, uh, right. you know, be the best right. singer in the world. Interesting. Now, when you picked up the guitar, did you have any lessons, or you just are self-taught? 
I was uh, mainly self-taught. I remember taking, uh, in high school, I took a, a guitar class from a, our, our music teacher, our guitar teacher, only played trombone, had never played guitar in his life. And uh, he knew how to read, read music, though. So okay. he was basically learning guitar at the same time he was trying to teach guitar just by the fact that he could read music. Um, so that was really the – I did that for one or two years, and that was the only, like, formal training in a sense that I got. But even during that, I remember um, finding out about guitar tabs and, and reading guitar tabs, which is at the time was infinitely more uh, easy than, than reading notes. And, and then I just would go into this guitar class and actually teach people what I learned just by playing guitar, oh, wow. you know, looking up guitar tabs or, you know, buying a music book. Right, right, cool. And just another interesting question I thought of, I mean, did you want this guitar that your dad bought you, or did he, was he a musician and he wanted you to get involved? I mean, it sounded interesting, like, oh, I opened this gift up and it's a guitar, and it's like, what am I going to do with this thing? Um yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, looking back, I'm not really sure why he got me the guitar, to be honest. I don't know that I ever expressed uh-huh. an interest in it. Uh-huh. Um, the, one of, one of my neighbors, he'd played drums and, and maybe that was something that gave him the idea, but he was not right. musically inclined by any purpose at all. So, uh, yeah, cause it, I guess that is interesting. I never really thought of that, the fact that, you know, just kind of got this random guitar without any, uh, any indication of of what would have brought that on? Right. Well, I'm just thinking. I, I think, guess I'm glad and, I did, know, though, right? <laughs> well, yeah. No, what I was going to say is, you know, again, my my deepest sympathy, you know, to the loss of your father. But I think symbolically, in this, in an interesting way, you know, this that guitar he got you. I mean, look at what look at what it brought you in your life and where you are musically in your career and stuff. I, I just think it's an interesting. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know how yeah, to word it. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. That, that's true. I mean, I look back at and now just kind of, because I started, like, I guess really playing shows when I was around 15, down in my mm-hmm. 30s. And I think back and I'm like, to this day, I think everybody that I know, whether it be my close friends um, or, I, you know, I've been in a relationship for eight years, um, even my job itself, nice. I've kind of, all those things have come along because of music. And if I had to think of, like, you know, 95% of the people that I interact with on a daily basis outside of work, it's all because of music. Right, right. So, I mean, I mean, symbolically, even though, unfortunately, your dad's not here, I mean, it's kind of like that guitar is, I don't know, it, it symbolizes, I think, him. Yeah, yeah. And now, some, now that really yeah. makes me question, why did he give me that guitar? Yeah. <laughs> I, I know, it's it. just kind of like, yeah. Um, do any other family members, anyone in your extended family, anyone musically inclined or involved in music, as we're talking about, you know, your involvement yeah, of getting yeah. into Yeah, no, it. not directly. I mean, um, my my mother definitely isn't, and uh, I have a brother, he's nine years older, um, never okay. played music at all. Um, okay. Don't really know much of my extended family. My my dad actually went to uh, the Vietnam War um, when he was very, oh, wow. very young, actually younger than 18, and when he came back from from Vietnam, uh, he hadn't seen his family since then. So, so um, growing up, I never knew anybody on his side, and everybody okay. on my mom's side are a little more distant. To there are people that we see maybe once every couple of years on a, a Christmas right. or Thanksgiving. So yeah, I don't, okay. I don't really know anybody in my my family other than me. And then when they look at me and they they see the music that we play now, right. <laughs> maybe they would question if it's music as well. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, oh, but well, real quick, what does your um, what does your brother do? If you don't mind me asking, what does he do for a living? Yeah, he's a construction worker. He actually picked up oh, okay. um, kind of in a sense, I guess. My my dad, he actually worked construction from the time he got back from the war to uh, to actually literally the the week that he passed away. And my okay. brother went to college, um, kind of had this this plan for that, and he ended up doing construction on the side. And you know, fast forward fifteen twenty years, and he's still in it. Wow, good for him. And then so would you and I'm the you only mentioned one that's something about construction thing. Oh, would and what do you do for work? Uh so actually I work uh at a pretty large bank and uh I I manage a oh. small team of people that are uh, project management managers and analytic consultants. So we kind oh, of look cool. at ways within small business how we can loan more money, do it more efficiently, with better customer experience for uh for small business owners. Very cool. And did you go to college for that? Surprisingly, no. I was uh, kind of a right place, right time. Um, going back to okay. 
the whole idea that um that you know everything that I kind of is my in my direct vicinity is because of music. I actually um we I guess this is even uh, going back even further. I had met a uh, a guy um, that actually ended up singing from us by a uh, we I guess I take it back. Me me and my friend had gone to this show one day and we saw this guy singing on stage and we're like we've got to start a band with this guy. And his band's name was Cadence. So we go back online, and this is, you know, um, with, like, Ask Jeeves was popular. I don't even think Google was a thing, or at least wasn't the popular thing. And we look up okay. this band named, named Cadence. We, we find this band. We start, you know, exchanging emails with this guy. He comes to try out, and we find out it's just a different guy altogether that just happens to be in a band named Cadence in the same state. Oh, God. So just this random, wow. random coincidence. And, and right. we ended up, he ended up being in the band for, for five years. So he, the band I was playing guitar and he was in the singer of the band for five years. During That's that time, hysterical. he started working for this bank. Yeah, right? Um, so during this time, he started working for the bank. And he, uh, when that band started kind of going south, um, he, he ended up getting me on board with the bank. So. Great. Well, again, you know, so things happen for happened. a reason. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, actually, really I cool. just celebrated my ten-year anniversary with the uh, with the bank uh, two weeks ago. So. Congratulations! Great, awesome accomplishment. Not super punk Very rock, good. though, right? Right. No, that's fine. <laughs> that's great, though. That's cool. I mean, you know, a lot of bands. I think it's. I think it's hard, and I mean, you guys are doing this on a pretty serious level, and you know, a lot of the bands I speak with, um, you know, they don't. They have little odd jobs, as they say, here and there, you know, they come off of a tour, they do some stuff like, you know, like you would say, construction or things that they can quickly get involved in and be able to leave. So I think it's, again, very commendable that, you know, you have this this full-time career and then you're doing this on the side as seriously as you do it. Yeah, Yeah. you know, I think um, that's what keeps it fun to an extent because I definitely, when I first started playing music and we started touring um, more more, uh, seriously, at that mm-hmm. point, that's when I, that that's when I used to stress out over it all the time because it was, if we don't tour X amount of days or play this many shows or sell this much merch, I don't have enough money to pay pay my car payment or whatever else my obligations were, and that got right. really frustrating. Now that it's a, uh, it's kind of both of them complement each other. I mean, I can take time mm-hmm. off work or work um, work on the road as much as I want. Um, plus I, I don't have to count on the band as my sole source of income. It makes right. it fun across the board. I can do it as much or as little as I want. That's great. That's great. I mean, and what do you, I'm just, I'm just throwing this out there because I think it's an interesting comment that some people have made from the hundreds of bands I've interviewed, but you know, what, what do you make of someone that says, well, you're not serious enough if you're not, you know, putting blood, sweat and tears and doing this full time and not knowing where your next meal is coming from. I mean, I think it's all relative like you said, everyone's going to have a different way of looking at it. But, you know, how would you comment on a, you know, a statement or a question like that? Yeah, you know, I, I think I've lived both sides of that. You know, I've, I've experienced uh, exactly what you said. And then I've also experienced um, kind of what we're doing now. And I, I see the benefit of both. I think um, when you depend on it to, to survive, the only mm-hmm. thing you can do is force yourself to survive. Um, but then a lot, in a lot of ways, I feel like that can make you compromise your art. So taking shortcuts by working with people you don't want to work with, whether it be mm-hmm. labels or, or make videos or songs that you don't want to make because your incentive is to survive, um, whereas yeah. you have no reason to do that in a sense. Um, so although in a lot of ways I can see, like, if we were forced to push ourselves more, we might do more, but we might not. the more might not be better Right. Just more, you know? Yeah, I think that's an interesting perspective. I mean, I never I never looked at it or heard it that way, but I think that is interesting, right? You don't have to sacrifice, you know, how you want to do it or what you want to do, like you said, because you might be at the label's mercy of you got to put this out and you got to sound this way. And so I think that's, yeah, I think, again, that's something that's very commendable that you guys do. So let's do this. Let's I, we're talking so much about your life, which of course is my, you know, thing. I love doing that. But let's talk a little bit about, you know, the band coming together. So American Standards forms in around 2011. Yep, 2011. It's okay. surprising it's been that long already. Yeah, oh, I don't know. I mean, to me, 
again, most of these bands I interview, you know, they've been around at least a decade, if not longer. So I was like, okay, that's not, that's not too long, six years, seven years, you know, but for you guys, it is. Um, And when you originally started it, tell us a little bit about um, Corey is the one remaining um, original member right now, correct? Guitar, right? Yes. Yes. So yeah, just give us some background information on how the band formed in 2011, how you met Corey, and then maybe, you know, as much as you want to share about over time, as I know there's several EPs you guys put out, an album you put out, some lineup changes, you know, just give us some background, and then we'll kind of catch up to where we are today. Yeah, so we had uh, all been in, in bands, or several other bands, um, prior to American Standards, and I think at that time a lot of us we're kind of transitioning from our early 20s into our mid-20s where you start, you know, getting more obligations. And and uh, none of us at the time knew that we were going to start another band. Um, a couple of the guys, actually, Cody, Brennan, and Jeff, the original guitarist, uh, two mm-hmm. guitarists and drummer, uh, messaged me or, or emailed me through a Craigslist ad. They, um, or they, I'm sorry, they, they were starting a band on Craigslist and they had found me and needed a singer. Um, they had heard my other bands and kind of said, hey, we want to start a band, and we just we don't want it to be anything serious. We just want to start a band to play the shows that we would want to go to. Um, I'm like, oh, that's a cool idea. I'll go try out. So I went and tried out. Um, it was something that I really liked because it, it sounded a, a little more early 2000s than, um, or even late 90s than, uh, than a lot of the, the heavy metal and metalcore bands were doing at the time. So I thought, mm-hmm. okay, this would be kind of fun to do just for a, a thing on the side, you know, just to record a couple of songs, play some cool shows. Um, I actually remember Corey coming into the band. He came in, you know, maybe a month or two after me and came and tried out. I, I never knew this until probably about a year ago when we did this interview, when we did an interview. And, and I come to find out that he came and tried out. He had never played bass in his life. He played guitar before, but he bought okay. bass gear just to try it out for American oh Standards. Um, he, he, I mean, he nailed the audition played through the songs, that same day we had a photo shoot with a local publication called The New Times, and mm-hmm. cause we had a show coming up, and, and since he was trying out, and he was there at the time when the photographer got there, we said, let's do two sets of photos, one with him, one without him, <laughs> just in case he doesn't work out. Um, I know, I read that, and I thought that that was just the funniest thing. I was reading about that yesterday, and I was like, oh my gosh, so I'm glad you brought that up, because I was going to ask you about that, but that's, yeah, that's that's so funny. Yeah, so it's so ironic that he's the one that's actually still here with us now, you know. Right, um, right. So, so we so we do this band. We're playing. We start playing some really you know shows that we would have dreamed of playing when we were younger, you know. And and, and then all of a sudden, all these bands that we just loved growing up started having their ten year anniversary shows. So now we're picking up you know ten year anniversary shows with bands like like Emery and Archie and Every Time I Die and Straight from the South and Comeback Kid and just all these shows that we are you know are our dreamland. That's uh, awesome. And then we start touring more often and and now something that was just supposed to be something small for fun is kind of you know snowballed into something much bigger. Uh, and you, in that time, real I think, quick, like, I'll go for it. Brandon, you were just you were doing all this on we, your uh, own, right? You guys were building yeah, all yeah. this on your own. That's crazy. Exactly, yeah. So the first year was all on our own. Um, and, and honestly, it was all through the context we had made in our prior band. So we just, we knew venues, we knew right. promoters, we knew other bands, and we just kind of used that to our advantage. So, um, so yeah, cool. we, 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 yeah, we start picking up all these big shows. We start touring and all the DIY touring. And, and in that time, that's when we got approached by a label called We Are Triumphant, which is a label mm-hmm. out of Boston. Distributed by Victory Records, a, a label that we looked up to, um, you know, when we were in our teens as well. So we, it was just something that I, I think we had had a couple label offers prior to that, um, but nothing that was really too serious or nothing that really panned out. So with this, we kind of we almost shrugged it off, thinking, you know, this is probably a scam or this is probably fake. But um, let's let's look into it. So we we looked into it. Uh, we actually lucked out because one of our friends had a, a friend that was a lawyer and kind of looked into the contract, and we revised it a few times before he sent it back and forth. And then, you know, out of nowhere, now we're putting out our first uh, our first album, and we're re-releasing it with a Victory Records distribution, and we're touring right. even more than ever. And uh, that, that was kind of the real turning point for the band because now this thing that was just for fun is on a label. We've got a record out. We're touring. We're playing with these huge bands. And I think that's, like I said, where 
the guys that originally started it just to be like a small portion of this song. Right. Started feeling bad because now we're asking them all the time, like, can you do this tour? Can you play this show? And they always felt bad about, um, you know, having to be the guy that says no. You know, I've got to work or I've got to do this and this. And that's when we start right. going through all the lineup changes. Gotcha. Okay, so it wasn't right. It wasn't that it was interpersonal challenges. It was just these people had other things in their lives and they never anticipated how big it would get. Um, exactly. with the lineup yeah, and, you changes. Know, we still talk to them. Yeah, we still talk to uh, to uh, Brennan. Um, and, and Jeff occasionally to this day, and we've done a couple uh, kind of um, shows, one of which we actually just, with the original American Standards lineup, we had played about 14 months ago. Um, our original just was he had uh, passed away. He committed suicide about a year and a half ago. And um, know, so we all so got together to do a benefit that. show for him. Wow, I'm sorry to hear that. He, How long ago? Yeah, he was, left the band a little while ago, right? Yeah, yeah. So he had left after, well, really between um, Still Life when we re-released it mm-hmm. and the next EP, which was the Death of the Blues. So that was when we started playing play more shows, and he just he he wasn't really behind the idea of just being on the road nonstop. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I'm so sorry again about the passing of him too. I know you guys have had some some challenges, you know, especially when it got into writing the the new album that you put out um when you so you eventually left victory records correct or we are triumphant you guys eventually parted ways or are you still yeah with them? yeah we left them no no we left them um right before we put out actually the next release so the the dust and rhythm and blues um and that's when we kind of i i think that's when we realized that like anything that they were doing for us we could really do for ourselves do. and, and right. yeah, it was a little bit harder and it took a little bit more time, but at mm-hmm. the end of the day, I think the allure of doing it ourselves was we knew that any success or, or even any failure that we had as a band was you know, directly the result of what we were putting into it. Whereas mm-hmm. when we were on the label, we were on their timeline, you know, they would say, Hey, we need a music video done by next week and we need you to find <sighs> the guy that's going to film it. And you, we need you to make the concept for it. Um, Oh my and gosh. it, it kind of made us get to this point where we're like, well, we don't want to put out something um, that we're not 100% behind um, just because we have a deadline to get it out and kind of an unreasonable deadline, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But I think that goes to show the change in record labels where record labels now aren't pushing out the quality they're, they used to. They're pushing out quantity, and it's all about content, right. you know? I've, I've got to mm-hmm. turn out a video. I've got to turn out a uh, a tour. I've got to do this, this, and this. Um, as quickly as possible to stay relevant and to keep eyes on it um, and hope that out of this pool of 50 or 60 bands that the label, um, you know, has on their team that one or two of them actually kind of take off. Right, right. Wow. Yeah, I think, again, I think you guys definitely show how much you learn and, again, how you apply it to yourselves and how you find out what works for you and what doesn't. And I think that's, again, I think that, I think that's a talent in and of itself. Um, when you're capable of doing that and you're not having your hands tied, like you said, at the mercy of a label or someone who's putting you on a timeline. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. So, okay. So now how did you guys bring on, let's see, you brought on the new members you have eventually uh, Steve Mandel came on base and then Mitch Hosier came on. If I'm saying that right, I, I apologize if I botched his last name drums. Um, it yeah, sounded tell a lot how... faster how you said that. Oh, I like okay. how you That sounded a little like French, kind of. I like that. Oh, okay. All right. So, yeah, tell us how you met them, because I think you, they're from different places, right? And do you guys all live in Arizona? Yeah, they are. So, um, actually, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. From Phoenix, but um, but uh, Steve was from New York. Uh, we found them both through really, I think, just they had seen our show in the past, you know, at that time, by the time they had come on, we had already been playing shows for, for three or four years as a band. And, um, they had both played in other bands as well. So that we had either played shows with their bands or they'd heard of us or seen us with a, you know, another band that they liked. And, um, when we needed guys, we kind of just started asking around, you know, and, uh, and Steve came on and, you know, Steve's just, you know, the nicest guy and just eager to learn and kind of brings a lot of enthusiasm to the band and then, and then after that, Mitch came on drums, and Mitch is just insane. He's the most talented guy in the band, 
by leaps and bounds. And it's like wow. only a matter of time before Mitch finds out that like, you know, we're we're not good enough for him and he goes out and finds something better than us. But for oh, right now, got him. <laughs> right. Well, that's great, though. That's great. It sounds like you guys have a really good chemistry and a connection and, and you know, relationship as both musicians and, uh, you know, friendship, which is which is definitely what you need. Yeah, you know, um, that's, a, that's I always tell bands this. I think um, when when you're in a band, like, what you see on someone's Instagram or Facebook, like, of the band member, is always, like, what happens the one time out of, like, a whole eight-hour drive. Like, what you don't see is the fact that you're really just in a van with four or five other guys driving right. for eight hours. And if you don't like right. those guys, you're going to have a horrible time. Right. <laughs> well, again, I think that's unfortunately the allure of social media where people, you know, see people go on these fancy trips or whatever, and they think, oh, they have the, the, the loveliest lives. And it's like, no, like you're saying, that's one snapshot. And if you want to let your mind go in that direction, sure, you can concoct some crazy, you know, illusion in your head. But yeah, but the reality, like you said, is that, right, it's not what's going on behind the scenes. Definitely. I mean, I don't want to remove the veil. So, like, you can imagine that there's just, like, you know, these parties every minute of every day in the American Standard Span, but uh, <laughs> you'd just be imagining. Right, right. Cool. Well, let's do this. Let's, uh, and it's okay, I want to play our writer's block party, if that's okay to feature it tonight, so people can get a taste yeah, of sure. uh, what's to come. All right. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about, you know, this track, why you chose this as the single to release with the video that you guys put together. Um, tell us a little bit about the video, who was behind it, helping produce it, and then we'll check the song out. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, the writer's blog for you is actually, strangely, the very first song instrumentally that was written for the album. We we okay. had actually pretty much 90% of the song done at the time of, of recording Hung- the Hungry Hands EP that we had put out in 2014. Um, but it just wasn't quite there yet. So we, we held on to it for quite a while. And, and although it was the first song that we had musically written, it, it was the last song lyrically that I had, I had written for the album. Um, I, I in, in writing, especially with this album, I really wanted to write a little bit more uh, of a social commentary in a sense, kind of speaking to like the divide in our culture and our society, how um, everything just is pulling us apart, and social media is kind of exacerbating that, whether it be politics or or um, the different movements and different um, sociopolitical things that everybody's marching towards. There's mm-hmm. all this black and white in the world that's just pulling us apart, and that's what I wanted to write the album about. And I think we wrote uh, a few songs. Um, that were going that direction, and then that's when you know my father had passed and Cody had passed, and I, I just kind of took a step back and thought, well, I, I really feel like I need to address this. I really feel like I need to write about this, but I, I don't understand how it kind of fits in the grand scheme of this uh, album. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's when I started to realize, that, and it started to become more clear to me that it's really not necessarily um, just us dividing as a people, but it's also just separation in general, um, whether it be um, the division between um, politics or religion or, or other factors or be um, the separation between someone because um, because you lost them to to a death like my father or, or Cody um, right so, right. so we, we kind of went down that path with the album but I still had this song which was writer's block party that I hadn't wrote uh, the lyrics for and uh, and that's when I realized well maybe I make this in a sense kind of like the interlude to the album I make this a an explanation of how this is the first time in American standards that we're going to write something that's more personal to us and, and mm-hmm. how I guess uneasy that made me feel because I was, I guess with American standards, I always thought that um, kind of felt parallel to all these other bands, all these other heavier bands. We're not the heaviest band by any means or the most technical or anything else. And, and we're kind of always the outcast on the shows that we play. So this song is kind of saying, well, I'm going to say something that's really personal and I don't know how people are going to receive it. It's going to be a hit or miss. Some people are going to to love it, and some people just aren't going to get it. And, and the song is about well, even if they don't get it, I'm still going to stay true to myself. I'm going to say what I have to say. We're going to play it the way that we want to play it. And, and um, I guess whether people like it or not, that's kind of how it's going to go. And, and with the music video, I think that's exactly what we try to do. We try to take a, a comical spin at that. Um, right. At a coffee right. shop, you know, we're playing at an open mic. And, hey, what happens if this metal band that, you know, steps into this coffee shop where everybody's 
you know, playing indie music and doing slam poetry and stuff like that at an open mic, what would it look like if this band played in this completely environment and how would people <laughs> react to that? And I think that was really well done how you guys did that. Who um, who was involved in putting that video together in terms of production-wise behind it? Any specific names you want to plug for people? Yeah, yeah. Jacob Brindle is actually the mastermind behind uh, the camera there. He actually shot the entire video and uh, edited it together. And then um, the theme itself, I think, was kind of a, a combination of things that us at the band ha- had to throw out. Originally, actually, what we had planned for, and, you know, we probably had a couple ideas up front, but we were going to um, do it at a at a retirement home. And we actually had oh, the retirement home lined up. <laughs> and we were going to have, you know, the, everybody in the retirement home there playing bingo right. and things like that while we were playing. And then, uh, and then we thought about the uh, the open mic thing, and we decided to go that path because we figured, well, in this way, we could kind of invite our friends and invite our fans to come in and have fun and kind of be in on the joke. Right, right. No, that's great. Very creative. I love the, the approach you guys took to even thinking about it. All right, cool. So let's uh, put you on hold, Brandon, and then uh, we'll check out the song, and then we'll come back and uh, do more with the interview, okay? Sounds good. Okay, hold on. All right, everyone, again, you're listening to Brandon Kellum from American Standards. We're going to check out their hit single, Writer's Block Party. It's currently being played on Sirius XM Radio as well as other terrestrial stations. And don't forget to uh, write it down and make a note. April 28th, they will be releasing their new LP, which is titled Anti-Melody. So check it out. Here's Writer's Block Party, and we'll be back. Dancing around! Carrie Edelman Show, again, American Standards and their hit single, Writer's Block Party, and check out their new album, Anti-Melody, April 28th, when it is scheduled to be released. Let's bring Brandon back on. All right, Brandon, great song, really, really cool track. Thank you. Hey, first of all, thank you. Very cool. Who, really quick, who on um, Sirius XM uh, Radio, what station is it being played on? Uh, to tell you the truth, I would have to check with uh, this, the one thing I will say about this uh, this time around 
typically I do all our own press release, just like kind of how I had reached out to you. But we had actually okay. teamed with another person this time around uh, by the name of Alex Osborne, and he's been kind oh, of cool. getting us to other outlets that we haven't got in the past. Um, so he told us that the other day, and I, I haven't really followed up to find out exactly where it's at. Very cool. No, because I listen to the I listen to Sirius X, XM a lot, but um, yeah, I don't know what station it might be played. You know, I have Octane and you know some of the rock ones um, programmed in, but I was just curious to see what station your song was being played on, so I could hopefully hear it. Whichever one plays the most in the, uh, unintelligible, like heavy stuff, <laughs> is probably there. <laughs> well, I know there's back, a lot of different yeah, like metal stations. Thrash, you know, I know there's so many different stations. That's the great thing about played from like three to three thirty a.m. What's that you said? <laughs> I said it's played from like three to three thirty a.m. Only that's gotcha, like the time gotcha. slot they put no. it in. <laughs> <laughs> but congratulations, congratulations for getting it on uh, satellite radio because it's definitely an awesome place to uh, be exposed to just all different types of music and you know so many different things in entertainment. So that's really cool. Yep. Um, so yeah, tell us a little bit about the recording process because that's definitely an interesting story with um, you guys traveling. It looks like back and forth to the studio in LA, uh, King Size Sound Labs. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so we had recorded uh, "Hungry Hands" our last EP with a guy named Andy Marshall out there in LA and Van Nuys actually. And um, the next time around, when we started thinking about where we want to record uh, this album at. We, we asked him, you know, what would be good for our sound, and he told us about King Size, which prior to that we, we didn't know a whole lot about, but as we started looking into it, we started looking at this crazy diverse uh, list of, um, of artists they had worked with, um, ranging mm-hmm. from bands like Bad Religion and um, the Mars Volta, uh, Andrew WK, and Off, and just all these different types of bands that, uh, that we thought would be really cool to go there and kind of see what we can do with it. Um, so, so we decided, you know, this is, this would be great. Let's go record an album in Los Angeles at this studio with this awesome list of clientele. Um, but we, what we didn't realize at the time was how much driving we would be doing back and forth to kind of keep up with our obligations back home. So, um, so it became almost three months of driving to and from Phoenix and uh, LA, uh, almost every weekend for three or four months straight, um, to kind of really nail down everything. Um, and especially as we started revising stuff and started saying, all right, I want to change the lyrics to this song, and I want to change this piece oh, based on something that I've heard. Right. Um, rather than just saying, well, I can drive a few miles down the street to this place locally, uh, it's, you know, I've got to drive six hours to L.A. to do it. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's great. Well, the product came out great. So, you know, that's definitely something to be said for all that, that time you put into traveling. But, um, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot new. Who ended up, um, did you guys mix the album? Yeah, we, we mixed it ourselves, and this is the first time that we've actually done it. So, um, wow. I, do, I mean, I do like to pride ourselves on doing everything ourselves, but um, the one thing that we've never really taken a stab at is mixing the album ourselves. Um, we've always created our own art, so we create our own album art, our merch designs, we book our own tours, do our own promoting. Um, but typically we'll go to a studio and we'll pay for the studio to, you know, have an engineer and, and right. have a guy mixing it and mastering it. Um, this time around, although we did have engineers that kind of help us set up and help us record everything and press, you know, record on everything, um, we took back all the tracks and our drummer actually, uh, Mitch Hoger, he, he had took it back to his house and he had experience. He had actually worked at a studio in uh, Tennessee um, prior. So he, it's not that he went in it with no experience at all on how to do this. But um, wow. he owned that whole process, and we, we, you know, we had to go over to Mitch's house and listen to it, and and say, you know, I think this should go up or down, or we need to change the tones here, or kind of play with this, right. and uh, and that's something also that kind of added a lot more time to it because now we're really tweaking it, um, you know, on a daily basis. That's great. No, you guys did a great job, and and again, I have some background in music, so you know, I can understand a little bit about the mix process and I got some OCD tendencies. So the person I was working with basically at some point said, no, you're not going to, you're not listening anymore because it was like wanting to tweak every little thing. And you know what I mean? So yeah. but no, I give you guys credit. That's uh that's great. I mean, you really did a great job with mixing it. You know, if it was me, uh, I would probably be the same way as you Carrie. I don't think the album would oh ever come God. out. Um, <laughs> Cause not only am I, 
super critical on on American standards, but like me, just me, my parts that I'm doing, I'm always like, all right, Mm -hmm. let me try this 50 different ways. And and normally I don't get that. Like normally someone tells me like, no, you've got two or three ways. I'm not going to sit here and just have you focus on one line the entire day. Right. And that was, well, I think part of it, we'll have to talk sometime. I think we would have a lot in common off the air, but part of my issue was when I initially did an album several years ago, I really had no say in it. And when I worked recently with some, with a new person that was extremely seasoned toured like extensively work with some of the best, you know, mix engineers, et cetera. And I really started to learn about the process. I really got involved and I was really curious about it. And, and I think the more I learned, the problem was the more questions I had, the more things I wanted to try, the, you know what I mean? So that's when it was then. And I, and I did respect the person because I knew they knew what they were doing, but eventually it was just like, no, you got to stop. You're going to mix this to the point that it's going to sound bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, so, I feel like we're heading down that path because I, I, I think what I need and, I, I feel like we've we've kind of had close to it, but I, what we what I personally need as an artist is someone to push me beyond my comfort zone and to exactly. to know when to to push like my boundaries, but also know when to reassure me like this this is good. You don't have to keep right. doing it because I think right. especially in recording, and you probably had this experience too. Like you always think you can do better. But then you I get know. to the point where you get frustrated because now you start doing worse when you're doing more tracks. And right. come back and say, well, actually, the first track was probably the best track that I did. Exactly. And that's what I learned. I learned just the emotion that you probably, you know, evoke in the first time you do it. it it's just a different quality than if you keep trying to go back and redo it. So you're right. Now yeah. you, there's something to be said for that, too. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's, and then I, I think, think that's kind of the beauty job. of American Standards as a whole is we've always kind of wanted to take the approach of, keeping it as raw as possible. So when, when you listen to us compared to, to a lot of other metal bands or, or punk bands, I, I think mm-hmm. you'll kind of hear a distinct difference difference in the recording quality because we are we are keeping a lot of tracks that I think other bands may throw out because it just doesn't sound clean enough or it's we're, right. we're not triggering our drums or, or putting a lot of electronics on there that we can't play live. We're just trying to keep it like what does it sound like to hear us live. Yeah, just very organic and raw, but still polished enough that it's, you know what I mean, radio, yeah. you know, whatever, radio-friendly enough to, right, exactly. Cool, very cool. Um, yeah, so, I mean, tell us a little bit about you guys are going to release it on April 28th. Um, do you have an upcoming CD release show, or are you going to be doing some tours, anything like that that you want to, you know, share? Yeah. So uh, April 28th, it comes out. Um, right now, you can actually pre-order on iTunes, Amazon, uh, Bandcamp, pretty much anywhere uh, where you find music. It'll also be up on Spotify on the 28th. Um, that same night, we're doing a show at the Rebel Lounge in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, which kind of taking us back to the beginning of the interview, used to be the Mason Jar, this historic, very, very small but very historic venue in Phoenix that's had you know artists ranging from Megadeth to Tool play in a room that fit maybe 200 people tops. Um, so that's where wow. we're doing our album release. Um, but now they, it goes by the name of the Rebel Lounge. Um, and then shortly after, actually, um, so that's April 28th, and then the month following in May, we're actually going on tour where we're doing uh, 10, 10 or 12 states in total, uh, primarily Midwest. So we start in Albuquerque, and then we go uh, over to Texas and kind of work our way through um, up through Tennessee. And you can see all the uh, states. Um, on any of our social media, um, and, and really, if you if you Google American Standards, we try to be on pretty much anything possible slash American Standards. Cool, cool. How did you guys um, come up with the name American Standards? What's the what's the story behind that? I always like to have like this really cool like uh, origin story for it, but it's maybe a le- a little less. Um, um, exciting than it should be. Um, we, our main goal in a band name was we did not want a band name that when you hear that name, you know exactly what style of band it is. Um, right. Same thing like with our logo. Like when you see a death metal logo, you kind of know right away it's a death metal band. Um, so we wanted, that was our only criteria. We sat in the living room and, and the four of us or five of us at the time started just throwing out band names. Two people would like the names, but everybody else would shoot it down. I kind of I, I walk away and 
you know, I took a, a little restroom break and I looked down and on the toilet the, the name is American Standard. So I come right. back to the guys and almost as a joke say, what if we called our band name The American Standard? And like, nah, that's lame. What if we just called it American Standards? And that's kind of what stuck. It's, we, we really just stuck with American Standards because we felt like, okay, you don't know what style of band this is going to be going in. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the... I guess the byproduct of that is for the last five or six years, as we talk to people, everybody's kind of put their own meaning to it. You know, uh, since we, since we do talk about some more political and sociopolitical things, people kind of have that connotation to American standards. Um, since there's a style of music, it's kind of ironic, you know, it's got a jazz standards and French standards. It's kind of ironic that you'd be called American standards considering our style of music. Um, or even you've got the guitar, you know, the Fender, uh, Fender brand makes a, a guitar called the American Standard, so it's kind of got that tie as well. So it's got all right. these different things that people can tie to it. But at the end of the day, we figured someone's going to be at a bar one day. They're going to look down, you know, 20 years from now. They're going to see American Standard on the toilet, and 80% of the time that's going to be the brand of the toilet. And then they're going to remember right. this punk band that they saw 20 years prior. And that's right. kind of how it ended up. That's funny. Well, it's so funny because before I saw the S, on the when you had contacted me, I thought, oh, American Standard, and that was unfortunately that was the first thing I thought of too when when you talked about the toilet story. But then as I look back, you know, when I started to you know go to your website and the Facebook page, I'm like, oh no, it's a, a standards with an S. But still, that was the first thing that came to my mind. So you know, for, with free association and psychology, that's what came to my mind. <laughs> you're you're um, smarter than the average cookie. Normally, people like we'll get these tags on Twitter and uh, Facebook almost every day where someone's like, wait a sec, I've been listening to you guys for a year or two. Did you guys really get it from this? Mm-hmm. Right. So That's it's kind so of funny, funny how that works out. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. But um, the other interesting thing, which, which you made a comment on was the, you know, like the band logo and, you know, making it, like you said, a little more generic. So you're not really sure what the music's going to be about. Is that like, is it a seagull? Is it an, eagle what is what is the bird that you guys use and and again what's the symbolism with that it's actually the continent of pangea so back oh. in, no, I'm, okay. just, I'm just giving you a hard time no it's okay. we have heard that though people have tied it to this, so it's, uh, it's actually a vulture so uh our guitarist Corey oh, has drawn okay. that and that was that was right around the time that we named it american standards and he had uh kind of made this like uh outline of a, a vulture and we like we basically thought how how cool would it be if we can get to a point where you just see this vulture that doesn't have any text on it and you just kind of know mm-hmm. what that is. That's um, awesome. And we've several times over the years, you know, we we've got stickers and everything else, but we've several times kind of put it out there where um, anybody that wants free uh, stencils will send them stencils so they can kind of put it wherever they want. Um, but great. it also works against us because that means Corey and I are sitting in his garage literally carving out stencils by hand, um, which takes a whole lot of time. <laughs> wow. But we like it because, you know, we go to different cities and states when we're, when we're touring and we see uh, see that vulture around. We're like, that's really cool. You know? It's cool. Do you have, but I'm sure, I'm assuming you guys have stickers of it, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've got stickers. Yeah, yeah. So people could put that on a car or whatever. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Very cool. So I read that you're also a horror fan, correct? Yeah, I'm I'm huge into horror, and that's something that's hard to do nowadays. But uh, I see just about every horror movie that comes up. <laughs> what were some of the most recent ones that you've seen? Because it's I think it's hard to find good ones today. I mean, you know, back in the day, they they made a lot of really good movies. I think unfortunately, there's and I'm a fan of horror too. But you know, a lot of the remakes, it's sometimes like just leave the original the way it was. Like don't don't keep remaking it 500 times. But yeah, what are some of the more recent ones that you've seen that you would you know, that you would recommend to people or that you thought were really well done. Yeah, I think I think we're all out of good ideas, right? I mean, kind of that's why we're rebooting everything. But, um, yeah, right. and you're right. I mean, I, I go see, out of every 10 horror movies I see, maybe one of them is is worth mention. Um, but most recently, and maybe it's more, more of a psychological thriller than a horror movie, but Get Out mm-hmm. is fantastic. It is so good. Hmm. Have you seen I've it? I've never heard of that one. So it's it's made by um, the Key and Peele guys um, that actually have like a, a more like skit uh, comedy type show, um, which is surprising because he makes this movie that's um, just a brilliant movie. Like if anything, if I were to relate it to anything, I'd relate it to 
old school Twilight Zone, which I'm a huge fan of the Twilight Zone. Yeah, I saw um, that. Or more right. recently, okay. um, yeah, or more recently the Black Mirror series, um, which is also very very good. Uh, it's on Netflix. Okay. Um, so Get Out plays very much like that. You know, it's got a it, it's a lot of like the psychological thriller and a lot of suspense in it. Um, it's mm-hmm. kind of got a creepy vibe to it, but it also says a lot about I think society as a whole without being preachy about it. Um, so Interesting. It's, okay. It's just really good, and it, it's got a good twist on it. It just makes you want. I mean, the second I saw it, I'm like, I've got to go see this in the theater again. Wow. Cool. Okay. Did you ever see something? Someone wants me to see a movie called Wolf Creek. Did you ever see that? Yeah, I actually have seen Wolf Creek. Yeah. Oh, you have. It's okay. More... Don't tell me about it. But uh, someone just gave me the DVD, so they're like, you have to watch this. I said, okay. <laughs> Was it good? Yeah, we have, we got that recommended a lot too. Um, I liked it. If I remember, if I'm remembering the right one, it's a like a found footage film. Am I right? Do you know? It's a what's it's a what's that? Like like a found footage, kind of like a first person shot, like kind of shaky cam. I don't. I know it's an Australian film. Um, so I'm not sure. I mean, I I the person who recommended said it was shot really well, and it's very different because it because it is an Australian film. So I'm not sure. But yeah, I don't want to talk too much say, about it because I don't spoil it for myself yeah (laughs) (laughs) if it's the one i think it is i think it is more along the lines of shot kind of like like a movie like blair witch in a sense um really okay interesting and maybe i'm completely leaving lydia and i already down the wrong path i'm not sure it's a different movie um but if it is that one i remember being very entertained the whole time but like a lot of those found footage ones are they're kind of like they're good to watch once, but it's not something I have to go back to right away. Right, that you um, go back to, right. I might recommend someone else to see it, but, like, even with things like Blair Witch or, or um, any of those, like, paranormal activity type movies, mm-hmm. it's, like, it's interesting enough to, you know, okay, what's going on here? What's going to happen? And then you're, you see it, and you're like, okay, I'll move on to the next. Yeah, you're kind of disappointed a little at the end. Um, did you really well, click, and I'll let you go in a minute. Um, did you see yeah, Split? Yeah, even that, just that, just, like, the pacing. I'm sorry, go for it. Did you see that movie Split by uh, M. Night Shyamalan? I did. I did. I felt Split. And what, did you like I it? haven't seen it, but I have not seen it yet, so don't don't tell me. But uh, did you like it? Yeah. I did like yeah. it. I would recommend it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, as a psychologist, that's just right up my alley. Split. <laughs> What's that you said? I would say go see Get Out first and then see Split okay. after. And then see Split. Uh, unless right. you're an M. Light Shyamalan fan, like if you're a huge fan of his and you've seen yeah. his other movies, um, yeah, this I movie like ties them, but... into other movies. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that looks really interesting. Um, cool. Well, yeah. I mean, Brandon, you guys got a great album coming out. I'm really excited for you guys. And um, yeah, what else do you want to? Anything else you want to share in terms of any social media sites for people? to uh, check you guys out at? Yeah, we're on uh, Facebook um, slash American Standards, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, um, pretty much anywhere that you are, we're probably there too. Um, and we're very responsive. It's Most of the time it's me or, or um, Corey kind of responding to people. So chances are if you leave us a comment tonight, we're going to get back to you, if not by the end of this night, you know, tomorrow. Um, we try to stay a little more tongue-in-cheek on there, too, so we uh, we have some fun with the people on there. Nice. Nice. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on. There will be, um, if you want to please plug it later tonight, there will be a podcast. I'll let you know when it's available. So if anyone missed the show and your interview, they can stream it for free. They can download it off of iTunes. Um, so that's the nice thing about the show, too, is that people can listen to it whenever they want. So, but... Yeah, cool. excellent job. Really cool story that you guys have with your bands and your lives, and uh, I wish you so much success. Hey, appreciate it, Carrie. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely keep in touch, and uh, of course, in the future, if and when you have more music coming out at a later date, you're always welcome back on the show. Yeah, I'll let you know about the next one, and uh, your East Coast, right? Yes. Next time we're in your neck of the woods, I'll I'll let you know if you want to stop by. Definitely. That would be great. would love to meet you guys in person. Absolutely. All right, Brandon, thank cool. you so much again, and, and much continued success to you and the band. Thanks. Have a good one. Okay, you too. Take care. All right. Bye. All right, everyone, again, Brandon Kellum from American Standards. Really cool interview. If for some reason you tuned in a little bit late, uh, you could check out the podcast after the show is over. 
And again, thank you to everyone for the support for the show. I've done, I can't believe it's been about 220 interviews, started about five plus years ago. And again, just like Brandon, uh, I'm a very DIY person. I've done everything on my own in terms of networking and uh, having all of these amazing artists that I've had the opportunity and pleasure to interview. So please become a fan of The Carrie Edelman Show on Facebook. That's where you can find a lot of updates for upcoming interviews. Um, I also have uh, two personal pages on Facebook. Uh, please uh, befriend the one that's not maxed out so we can keep in touch with each other that way. And if you follow me on Twitter at Carrie Edelman, I will follow you back. Also coming up this week, I'm doing another interview uh, this actual Thursday at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern. It's going to be April 6th with a band called Message from Sylvia. Interesting band. It's a, it's a conglomeration of um, these guys from a variety of different bands, and they came together about a year ago. So uh, if you want to tune in at 7 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, April 6th, Message from Sylvia, the uh, rock bands will be coming on too. So thank you again, everyone, for tuning in. Again, check out American Standards and download a copy of their album on April 28th titled Anti-Melody. It's a full-length album, and uh, I think you will be really pleased with it. So thanks for tuning in, and have a great night.